Um, Doc, tell me about your day, man. Oh, we've had a great day, you know, um, just busy, busy, busy. You know, we, we always take a, a luncheon walk, you know, it was pretty hot today, but I enjoy the heat. You know, if you watch the news they are setting heat records all over the world, but, um, whether it's global warming or what, I don't know, but, um, I kind of like the heat. <laughs> I actually like the idea of like, I, I went for a walk today and, and to have a little, you know, sweat a little bit with the walk is a good thing. It feels kind of good. Um, all right. So they're not, they're not here to hear us talk about the day. Um, they're here to, to get their, an their questions answered, not their answers questioned. Okay. Pardon me. Pardon me. <laughs> um, guys, as you know, uh, the first part of this, uh, of this live Q&A, we do uh, questions that came in throughout the week. Um, and then the latter part, we answer live questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, uh, put it in the comments and we will get to that uh, here probably in the next 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I'm gonna start with um, a, a question. Let's see here, uh, where do I wanna start? Where was I? Um, I like this question. This came over on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for uh, following us over there. Uh, this is about uh, female uh, testosterone. Okay, best way to replace testosterone in a female without using pellets? Um, well, I always start with creams uh, for testosterone for women. Um, you know, I don't really like the creams for men a whole lot. It's just not real efficacious. I don't think it works that great. Although a few I will use if I'm worried for some reason. Uh, uh, for some reason, I don't know why you would be, but um, as long as you know what you're doing. But um, so I usually start out with creams uh, with testosterone. Sometimes I'll do a, a, um, uh, a shot, a subcutaneous shot of testosterone for women. Uh, usually the creams are a daily cream. And the shots are uh, a small dose once every two weeks subcutaneously. So um, those are two ways to do it. Um, we always follow levels and see where we have you. There's no real normal for women. So, you know, we, we like to see what level we get you to. But a lot of women like it, you know, in the 100 to 120 range. Um, I'd say the average is probably around 80 um, but gosh, we see a lot of women with low testosterone, just like men. They just need a lot lower dose. Um, and again, I do like the pellets, but you certainly don't have to get pellets. Um, you know, if you don't want that, uh, in you, I, I never started out with pellets cause once they're in, they're in knock on wood, I've never had to take any out of male or female. Um, but, uh, I usually start out with the creams or sometimes a, a subcutaneous shot, see where your levels are and go from there. All right. Thank you for that question. Um, let's go to uh, a, this was a fun one. Uh, coconut aminos. I use this on certain foods, but how does Dr. Rogers take coconut aminos? And can you please discuss the benefits and how much would be needed to be consumed in a day? This was a new one for me. Uh, so I, I've always, always liked these types of questions. Yeah, I know a little bit about it. Um, coconut aminos are a soy substitute, kind of like um, liquid aminos. It's made by Bragg, who makes um, all the other non-GMO stuff like apple cider vinegar. Uh, 
so um, at first I used liquid aminos uh, because I didn't want soy. You know, soy can be bad for a lot of people. Um, but the, actually the liquid aminos made by Bragg, it's really still made from soybeans. It's just non-GMO. But then they came up with coconut aminos. I think it's a different company. And some people actually like the taste better um, than liquid aminos. So it's another soy substitute. And you don't need to consume a particular amount during the day because it's not a, it doesn't have a lot of nutritional value as far as that goes. You're not going to get enough aminos when that sauce that sauce is mainly used to make your food taste better. Like certain people that, um, you know, that like Chinese food or want to put it on your steak or maybe some rice or something, um, or, you know, some of your more Asian foods that you would want a soy substitute. So I think out of all the three, soy is the worst. Um, liquid aminos a lot better than soy but it's still made from soybeans and then coconut aminos, which have, you know, a bunch of amino acids. I think there's probably probably around 15 amino acids, I would guess in the either liquid aminos or coconut aminos. The coconut aminos are not made from coconuts. They're really made from the coconut tree sap and they let it sit out there and the sugar, the natural sugar in it kind of ferments. So it's, these are all fermented products, which are good for you. But I wouldn't recommend that you need a certain amount in a day. I would just use it as a garnishment to your foods. If you like uh, something that's a lot healthier than soy sauce, because I don't really like soy sauce. It really has a lot of sodium. Not that sodium can be that bad. For some people it is. Uh, so the coconut aminos definitely have less uh sodium than even liquid aminos. Um, but the liquid aminos taste good and they're non-GMO, but it's still a soybean-based product. So the, probably the purest is the organic coconut aminos. It's really tastes good. And, you know, it's a good little inexpensive little garnishment to your, especially Asian food, salads. A lot of people do it on salads and stuff. So I, I recommend coconut aminos. Uh, I really think it's, it's a good tasting thing. Good good for you. That is awesome. Great question there. Thank you for uh, sending that in. And uh, Tracy, I see you. Uh, Terry, what's going on? Lauren, I see you. Melanie, what's going on, guys? Motaz is here. I love it when Motaz is here getting ready for a, a, a very thoughtful question from him, I'm sure. Uh, can't wait to get to the live uh, questions here in a minute. Um, all right, let's get to uh, let's see here. Where am I at? Okay. I have a question about GI gut. I have an 11 year old who has struggled with GI issues pretty much her whole life. The last few years seem to have impacted daily life, school, free time, and we have tried many different routes through traditional and natural healthcare with little success. Uh, the, there's a couple questions here. Um, I've heard that there is a gut test that we could possibly do to identify potential problems. Is that something I could order through the mail? And then I think the, the, the crux of the question is, is there, a, is there another provider accepting new minor clients that would potentially see her? Any advice to where I could start this journey? Uh, it seems like, you know, um, where, can, where can they start with uh, an 11-year-old getting their gut back in order? 
what's your thoughts? I know that's a long one. I can go back to anything if you need any more context. Um, yeah, that's you need to find out what's going on with her gut. There's so many things that can affect it from the food sensitivities to the gut microbiome to even stress can cause gut issues. Um, it's kind of interesting the way stress causes gut issues, but it definitely changes some of the enzymes that help you digest food. So, of course, you've probably already tried cutting out dairy and soy and corn and glutens, nightshades and some of the, you know, food elimination diets. I assume you've done that. That's the first thing I would always do um, and see, see if that helps. Um, you know, the traditional medical providers are not going to be a lot of help here, probably. Um, at least I've found that to be true. Um, you know, I, I'd like to know whether she's losing weight or malnourished because of because of this gut problem. I would definitely try some digest shield in her. I think that would work wonderfully. I don't know if she's tried pre and probiotics, digestive enzymes. Um, lactase, chitis, and those type of things are all in the Digest Shield. So it definitely is a no-brainer to get that. You can order it. We keep it in all our offices. You can get it at a lot of health food stores, and you can just order it straight off the Internet. So I would definitely try that. Um, and then uh, you're talking about the, the, the uh, stool test, the GI map. Um, you can order that and then um, usually go through a, physician's office to get it. We have them at all our offices, but you can Google GI map and what providers you can go pick this up with because you're going to have to have somebody like Robin Riddle does it for us. He's amazing with uh, gut health. And I don't care if you're 11 years old or 90, you know, you need you need that looked at. I'm sure Robin would be glad to, to look at you. And I'll look at it too, of course, uh, um, and see if there's certain pathogenic bacteria, candida, um, you know, um, parasites. I mean, there's something going on and it can get tricky and tough when you're working with kids because they all, you know, they want to eat what their friends are eating. Uh, but if they're definitely losing weight and having diarrhea or nausea, uh, it needs to be worked up. There are some, uh, pediatric, uh, gastroenterologists, um, out there, um, so you may want to look that up. And there's always uh, a lot of nutritionists that work with the kids as well. Um, I don't know where you, what city you're in, but we could certainly try to help direct you in a good, uh, a good direction. Maybe, you know, check some things like the GI map. Uh, but you might want to try Digest Shield, get a GI map, assuming you've already tried the elimination diet and... Uh, make sure all the other stuff is on good too. I'm sure your pediatricians probably check some routine blood work um, and that, but I uh, hope that helps you. So start working her up for this because um, there's an answer somewhere. All right. Thank you for that question and great answer there. I'm going to go to a, this is a male pattern baldness question. Do you recommend testing the DH level before starting anything? Uh, so again, the subject, uh, the topic here is male pattern baldness. Do you recommend testing the DHT level before starting anything? If so, would you add this onto a Cleveland or it need to be just a separate test? Oh, you can just add it on to the Cleveland. You know, Cleveland has a testosterone level on it, 
But if you're worried about thinning hair, um, you know, DHT level is really helpful to get. It's dihydrotestosterone. And uh, if you have two, if, if a lot of your testosterone is converting to DHT, then it can cause one of two things, prostate enlargement or hair loss uh, on your head. So, yeah, it's not, not a bad thing because there's a lot of things we can do, you know, to uh, halt that loss of, of hair. Male pattern baldness is genetically determined, but there's a lot of things you can do if you catch it early. You're, if you're completely bald, there's not much to do except hair transplants. But um, there's a lot of things you can do. So, yes, I, come in and get the DHT. You can get the Cleveland with the DHT. Come in and get the DHT separate. Um, there's a lot of stuff we do with, uh, hair loss and hair thinning. And I, I do have a follow-up question to that. Uh, again, same topic. Uh, you had mentioned low dose finasteride. What would be a potential side effects for a 25 year old male? Uh, so it seems a younger male, would you recommend trying this before neografting, et cetera? Well, if you go to most of those, uh, hair transplant clinics, I, I know a doctor that, did that for many years out in La Jolla, California, good friend of mine. And they always used a really low dose finasteride. Um, you know, finasteride is a medicine that we use to shrink prostates up at five milligrams. At one milligram, we use it under a different name uh, for hair growth. It, I just don't see a lot of side effects um, at one milligram at the full dose of five milligrams, it can certainly cause a lot of sexual dysfunction and things. So I don't like finasteride per se. You know, I'm starting to use a lot more um, uh, minoxidil orally. Um, you know, that's Rogaine is minoxidil. You rub it on your head, but it seems to work better orally um, in a two and a half milligram dose. It's it's also good for your blood pressure. So you got to watch your blood pressure when you take it, make sure it doesn't get too low. And there's a lot of compounding pharmacists that, pharmacists that are doing um, combination of things like finasteride, minoxidil, um, the stuff that's in Latisse to grow eyebrows or eyelashes, both. Um, and they also put biotin in there and some things. So, uh, yeah, you know, if you have the, the, early thinning in your in a 25 year old you need to get on something to kind of slow it down um but uh i, I would you know definitely check a dht level and finasteride will certainly lower it um but just just don't get finasteride around your wife you don't want to have any pregnant or potentially pregnant female getting around this stuff it's teratogenic but um so i'm not against it i think there's other better ways and certainly the topical stuff is not going to cause a, the sexual dysfunction but i rarely see that in that low a dose so um oral minoxidil may be a better choice um but uh there's a lot of variables there but uh definitely come see somebody who does some of this uh, work on hair loss. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to go to, uh, let's see here. Okay. Uh, which hormone is responsible for anger, rages, dark thoughts? I've heard progesterone, but I've also heard estrogen. I know it's about uh, balance. So um, this is just a question around, is there any, any hormone that you're seeing 
uh, um, be related to this? Well, you know, you, you're probably you're probably talking about women's anger, I guess, since you're asking about estrogen and progesterone. But um, you know, I see this probably more in women. Um, you know, really, um, a lot of some of the hormones responsible for anger um, really come from uh, the fear hormones like uh, epinephrine, adrenaline. You know, that's the that's the adrenal hormone that that gets you ready to fight people. Um, you know, it's that fight or flight response that your adrenals start pumping out epinephrine, which is adrenaline, uh, to help you fight, do superhuman things. Uh, a lot of people think that's more of the anger hormone. Um, so you need to look at that. Um, the happy hormone, of course, would be serotonin, oxytocin. But as far as female um, hormone balance, and really it's more, um, I think, estrogen dominance, you see more of that than you do progesterone. I think of progesterone um, as being uh, like a woman's volume. It calms them down. So usually if they're estrogen dominant, uh, then you give them progesterone to kind of bring the estrogen levels down. Um, and it's different at different times during the cycle. So that's why there's a lot of PMS that may be responsible for some of that irritability, et cetera. Um, even dark thoughts. So I think it's more estrogen dominance that, that causes that. And certainly you can use things to tame down the too much estrogen in relation to progesterone. They, they act like that, you know, one balances the other. So, um, there's also some natural things you can do for it, um, like oxytocin. We use a ton of that. Women love it. Men do, too. Um, you think of that as the hugging hormone. So it's the opposite of anger, rage, and dark thoughts. Because um, prolonged anxiety leads to dark thoughts or depression. So look at all the levels. And again, they change. You know, I, I like to check if you have 28 day cycles, I like to check the female hormones between a 19 and 23 and uh, see where you're at. But um, so and, and learn a little bit about the history. If you've had a lot of PMS, if you've had PCOS, it is about balance, um, but you can't ignore the other hormones, too. Even cortisol. I mean, when you're angry, your cortisol shoots up as well. It's the stress hormone. So a lot of times you need to look at that and maybe do a four point cortisol curve to see what times of the day your cortisol is high and what time it's supposed to be low, like at night. Um, and there's some certainly some things you can do for that, like uh, adrenal adaptogens like ashwagandha, uh, L-theanine, uh, saffron, um, that, that type of thing. Maybe doc, Dr. Rogers' new stress formula, vitamin I get from Seattle that I've kind of formulated myself that they white label for me may be helpful. But yeah, those are, that's a great question. It is. Because hormones, and we're not just talking about estrogen and progesterone, we're talking about cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, um, those type of things too. So um, come in and, and let us look at a Cleveland. We'll, see, we'll check a lot of that stuff out for you and maybe give you some things that may help you. A uh, great question there. And this is kind of a follow-up to it. Is it always best to bypass the liver when using estrogen and progesterone? 
Um, I like to bypass the liver uh, when using estrogen and um, testosterone. Progesterone is really the only oral uh, hormone that I use. And again, this is not medroxyprogesterone. A lot of gynecologists still don't know the difference between medroxyprogesterone and natural progesterone. It's a totally different compound. Um, so I never use medroxyprogesterone. That was the one that caused all the problems in the WHI study 13 years ago um, that made women afraid of hormones. Um, it actually wasn't even the estrogen component of that, Primarin, but uh, it was more Prim Pro. But yeah, I prefer that. You know, if you can do it by pellet or cream, then it bypasses the liver. Um, it's certainly important when you're talking about your clotting factors and things like that. That's why the oral birth control pill can increase your risk of blood clots. Um, so yeah, I like bypassing the liver. For just natural progesterone, I'm okay with that orally. I like it orally at night because it helps you sleep, relaxes you. So hope that helps. All right, thank you for that. Um, okay, let's go to, uh, there's a question about uh, breast cancer. Um, if you are if you are in the process of taking radiation for breast cancer, is it safe to take supplements such as vitamin D three, C, CoQ ten, etc.? Yeah, it sure is. Um, I think it's helpful. Um, you know, of course, high dose IV vitamin C and big big doses is used uh, in some places to treat breast cancer. You can't claim that it treats breast cancer, um, but and certainly you don't want to take it during your treatment, but some oncologists like it, some don't. Um, so it depends on your oncologist. So if you're getting treated for breast cancer with radiation, certainly listen to your oncologist and do what they want you to do. And, but uh, if they don't want you taking it, hold off until you finish your radiation therapy. I, but I certainly think that it's, it's, all those vitamins are really helpful. Uh, I don't think you need to quit them unless your oncologist uh, has a reason for you doing so. It's in combination with your chemo and they don't want you on any vitamin C possibly. But um, we know that all those, um, CoQ10 is more for energy, mitochondrial energy. So certainly I don't think that's going to interfere with anything. And of course, D3 and vitamin C are great for your immune system. So I can't see stopping the normal daily doses of that unless there's some specific reason they want to. Um, but that's a good question. That's a great question. Thank you for uh, sending that in. Um, okay, let's get to, uh, I think we got one more here if I haven't skipped one. Okay, this is a COVID question. Um, I had Delta in September of 2021. I take Humira for arthritis and was treated by you with your regimen and did good. My question is, with the new variant, are you seeing those of us taking these medications still fare well? And I'm assuming uh, that means the Humira and medications uh, along those uh, end, which um, you did a Common Sense MD uh, episode on Paxlovid and talked a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing with COVID right now. Uh, yeah. What's your um, answer to this? Well, we're seeing a surge of COVID right now. I think I treated four cases today over the phone. Um, so it's surging a little bit for sure. Um, <clears throat> it's this new 
Omicron BA4 and BA5, which seem to be a lot less um, <clears throat> lethal for sure. People just knock on wood not getting as sick with it. And it's shorter duration. It doesn't seem to be getting into the chest much. Um, so um, I think as the virus mutates, it becomes less potent. That's certainly what we're hoping for and we're seeing. Um, but I certainly still use my protocol um, on, on people that get uh, COVID-19. I still use uh, the same protocol I use for the Alpha and Delta. We're still getting great results. Some, you know, Paxlovid, you can go to my podcast from today. You know, sometimes I'll use it. I haven't felt found it to be real necessary unless somebody's really wants it then i'll prescribe it um or you got to be careful if you have compromised kidney function with that paxlovid um but um again i don't use it unless you're old and uh, have some risk factors i think the other stuff works really well um like we treated it before um so you should do fine. You should do fine because a lot of people are getting this thing two or three times, different mutations. So, um, and this is this is also a follow up question from the from the same listener. Um, also, the media is saying with each infection, your risk of blood clots and long COVID are much higher each time. Is that true or just fear mongering in your medical opinion? Uh, you know. So again, we don't have to say it. It's just it's just our opinion. Uh, docs in this case, what do you think? Yeah, you can't say too much on social media about this, but, um, you know, it may, it may increase your risk. The more you have it, you know, it is a blood clotting disorder. This virus causes blood clots and certainly, you know, um, each time you have it, you would think it may increase your potential risk for it a little bit. You know, I always use aspirin during the COVID and, you know, I use a lot of aspirin anyway. Um, and there's other more natural blood thinners you can use as well. Um, but, uh, you know, to kind of keep your blood nice and thin uh, to prevent clotting and prevent heart attacks and strokes and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, whether it's fear mongering or not, I mean, COVID is a real thing and it can cause, we're seeing a lot of long COVID, you know, and I try to, a lot of times I'll check uh, for blood clotting factors like D-dimers and some things. Um, and we'll try to follow that a little bit. And sometimes I'll even use more potent um, blood thinners like Eliquist um, uh, when I don't think aspirin is quite potent enough for it. If, I, if your D-dimer's up a little bit, I'll definitely put you on some Eliquist. But um, that's a great question. You know, down the line, hopefully we'll know more about whether these new variants are going to cause some of the long COVID problems like the other variants did and are doing. So, um, but you, by common sense, you'd think that if, if the more times you get it, the more long COVID risk you would have. But the whole point is keep yourself healthy in the first, first place. Um, I, I think there's probably some genetic mutation that predisposes people to do really bad with COVID. 
And I'm just not seeing, knock on wood, uh, a lot of the lung involvement like we did before with about everybody that came down with a good case of it. So thank God that's not happening too much. Um, but keep yourself healthy. Keep your immune system going. Take your vitamins. I don't care what people say. Vitamins help. All right, guys. That's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week. Thank you so much to, to everyone who sent in a question and has been interacting with us uh, throughout this past week uh, heading into this show. And now this is the, the portion of the show where you get to ask Dr. Rogers your question and we'll kind of interact with you live here. Um, I see a couple. I'm going to start with, um, uh, where is it here, Shelly's question, which is kind of, um, it's clearly related to what you were just talking about, and I just want to piggyback on it. Um, what are you seeing with the latest COVID variant, and when is it considered safe to be around others testing positive? It seems you've answered the first part. Um, let's go to the second part. When is it considered safe to be around others after testing positive? Again, just your opinions. Well, that's, that's really controversial nobody knows for sure but they're saying five days we used to say 10 days with the other variants but this uh, mutation seems to be more contagious a lot less potent um, and it seems to clear up a lot faster so again i wouldn't be paranoid about going out in public or anything like they did before you know just uh you know in my opinion if if you're just around somebody that's not sneezing and coughing all over you, you know, just walking past them, you know, you're probably not going to get it. Um, so um, if you, you know, and a lot of, of course, husbands and what last person I treated today, um, he had it and um, I was talking to him and his wife on the phone and I'm sure she's going to get it too. So I just made enough medicine so both of them could have it. I'm, I'm, probably about 90% sure she'll come down with it as well, but um, she'll know what to do. And um, so, you know, just don't get too paranoid about uh, getting it. Um, and you can be around others. Just If you're sick, stay away from other people. If you're well, fine. Yeah, so what you are saying is if, if you are sick, still stay away, keep, keep distance or, or whatever. Yeah, like, like any cold, you know, uh, just, just don't get around a lot of other people. Wash your hands and don't cough in somebody's face. And, uh, common sense stuff. All Good right. Thank, thank you for putting that in there, Shelly. Um, all right, let's go to Roel, uh, over in Texas. Um, Roel was saying, doctor, when a man gets on testosterone or TRT, do they also have to go on a calorie surplus or clean bulk? That's a good question. I don't know what you mean by clean bulk. Um, no, not really. Number one, I bet it's hot in Texas today. I hear <laughs> yeah. it's really hot down there right now. So I hope you're drinking enough uh, fluids. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't specifically put men when they go on testosterone on any particular diet i mean if they're working out quite a bit you know they may need, they probably need more protein than the average person uh clean bulk i'm not sure what you mean by that but um my my my, my interpretation of clean bulk would be um basically adding muscle so adding muscle weight 
um, would be my guess, and, and maybe that's the goal. Uh, if you're on uh, TRT um, and you're, you're eating in a way to gain weight uh, yeah. and gain muscle okay. instead of fat, is the way I'm yeah. taking it? Would yeah. that change your answer? You're, you're probably right. No, um, but you're right. If, if you're on testosterone or you're lifting a lot of weights, you're trying to gain muscle mass, and you have to eat more. There's no doubt about it. And hopefully eating clean is always the best. Um, but, um, I love the perfect, uh, aminos. That's, that's a great little supplement that I, I think really helps. I take it and everybody I've put it on has really noticed a difference in their athletic performance, whether they're running or lifting weights or biking or, um, doing anything. And, and, uh, and just to kind of clarify, to clarify when, when someone goes on TRT, they're not necessarily more hungry. Is that correct? Um, no, but if you're working out, you're going to be hungrier uh, for sure. So there might be more hunger that comes with the more energy you feel. And, and that yeah, might uh -huh. be, okay. Yeah. You may need more calories for sure, but always eat clean. All right. Thank you for that. Roel. Uh, let's get to Jack's question. Um, what are your thoughts on HTP five and ashwagandha? And I see there's a, a wealth of information on YouTube in the comments. Thank you guys for, uh, for contributing there. Um, what's your thoughts on, on this doc? Um, yeah, I like them. I like them both that, you know, ashwagandha is more of a adrenal adaptogen. I really like it. Uh, especially if your, especially if your cortisol levels are high or low, 5-HTP is, uh, more of a serotonin agonist and uh, some people really like it to help them relax and sleep. Um, I tend to do better on ashwagandha than 5-HTP. Uh, personally, I don't know why, but uh, you can kind of play around with a little bit. They're, they're safe. Um, you know, if you're on a serotonin reuptake inhibitor like Zoloft or Prozac and others, you might not want to use 5-HTP. Uh, but uh, I'm okay on both of them. Some people really like uh, 5-HTP and L-tryptophan. Uh, but uh, good question. Thank you for for that, Jack, on on YouTube. Um, and I'm starting to notice a theme. I'm going to put Anthony's question up here from Facebook. Uh, what do you recommend to help with muscle recovery? At 51 years old, testosterone pellets have resulted in more energy than ever. My body just doesn't recover like it used to. It seems uh, that Anthony's able to, to, to work out a little harder now, um, be able to, to be more active. Um, so it, it's all about kind of uh, recovery here. Um, first of all, I'm if that's your picture, you look pretty jacked up. You look pretty good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, that, I, I get that question all the time. I had a couple guys today ask me the same question. And, you know, as you get older, you don't recover uh, quite as well, but there are things you can do for it. Um, like we use a lot of peptides for this. The most common one we use is somorlin. Um, so you're, what you, which increases your own production of growth hormone. Remember testosterone is an anabolic steroid. It helps you build up growth and for recovery or repair, it's more growth hormone, you know, growth hormone, at least in this state of Tennessee, you, you, we can't prescribe it legally for things like this. Um, you know, sometimes I'll prescribe it for other serious things like you have no pituitary, 
because of a brain tumor, your pituitary was taken out. I, I prescribed some of that last week for uh, somebody, but um, which is legal to do. But, um, you know, growth hormone in itself, it's a great repair hormone. Um, but it can, number one, it's kind of illegal in this state uh, to write for that type, for anti-aging type purposes. But, and, and then a lot of people who do take it, so they get a hold of it somehow, they, their sugars will pop up. You get a little hyperglycemic from it. It can cause carpal tunnel, fluid um, uh, retention. And theoretically, if you had an occult tumor growing inside you somewhere, could it make it grow faster? Maybe, although that's never been seen or reported. Uh, but uh, the peptides are certainly affordable. Um, and uh, I think they work pretty well. The thing about Samorlin, which is the least expensive one, the more expensive ones that are more potent are uh, CJC-1295 with Ipamorlin, um, which I prescribed today, but it's pretty expensive. Um, and I think all these things work better, subcutaneous injections rather than the sublingual forms. We've had more luck, but it takes really a couple months before you notice much at all. So. It's not like taking testosterone, you're going to feel better pretty quickly. Uh, so I would consider maybe Samorlin. Um, and there's no doubt that once you get past 50, uh, things break down a little bit um, more. So I, I like collagen supplements. Uh, you know, I like drinking a lot of water. Uh, I like perfect aminos. There's a lot of little things you can do. Um, I like Circ O2, which helps your body release its nitric oxide, basically. Um, you know, I like daily Cialis to Dalafil. I think that's another one that kind of helps uh, release nitric oxide. And certainly once you get a certain age, you, you'll find you have to eat cleaner. Maybe that's what Royal was talking about, the clean bulk. But mm -hmm. um, you certainly have to do things better. And you have to avoid overtraining. I think you need more rest. Those rest days may be as important as the um, lifting days. Um, you know, you need a certain amount of exercise in zone two, uh, which is more of a, an aerobic exercise uh, like walking. Uh, zone two is, you know, if you do that for at least 30 minutes, uh, you know, especially on the days you're not lifting, it's really been, it's really good for recovery. It really helps your stamina. Um, and zone two really is, and I need to do a podcast on zone two. Yeah, you do. But, you do. Uh, but it's, you, you really, it's, it's a heart rate thing. You, you want to exercise for at least 30 minutes to an hour at a heart rate that's about 180 minus your age and stay in that zone too. So it's an easy zone, but it's more stamina related. So in other words, if you're light run or fast walk, it's that zone where you can you get your heart rate up, but you can actually carry on a conversation. So mm. it's really an easier type uh, exercise to do as in comparison to HIIT training or something like that, uh, uh, high intensity interval training what you need also, but so take your rest periods, uh, consider, uh, some of the peptides, uh, you know, we use a lot of BPC 157 as well, um, for that, which you can actually use orally. 
Um, great for gut problems too. But um, so I hope that helps. That's important. Muscle recovery. You may take a little longer for you to recover than, than it used to for sure. Um, and, and I'll add just one little thing. I think it's, it, it's super important. You, you mentioned, you know, the rest days, the importance of that, but in, and not like doing things in a way where you can get hurt because that really sets people back. If they have an injury, uh, they have this, uh, uh, influx of energy. So they're wanting to, you know, really get after it, but then they get hurt and then they're out for a couple months, uh, and you can lose a lot of what you gain. So I think, um, sustainable exercises, is something we need to talk more about. Yeah, we will. Um, thank you for that question. Uh, Anthony, let's see here. Where, where am I at? Uh, uh, Nicole, I, I see your question about the, about the new variant. Uh, if we did not already answer it, let me know. Um, we've talked a little bit about that already. Um, let's go to D. Lynn. D. Lynn asks, what is the best supplements for burning feet? I've been told it's neuropathy. I have literally held ice on mine. Wow. Well, first of all, get a workup. Um, make sure you're not a diabetic or, you know, you may have back problems that are pinching a nerve or nerves. Um, sometimes we don't know what causes neuropathy. I had one like that today. I wasn't sure. Um, but I think, you know, you got to think about B6, pyridoxine. That's probably the one that most people use for neuropathy. Um, now, you, if you take too much B6, it'll make it worse. Uh, so start out, you know, with a normal dose of it. I th I'd have to look on my bottle to see how much B6. I think I'd start out at probably 100 milligram um, and go to 500, I think, but or maybe more. But think about looking into B6. The other thing you might want to do is try to find out why your feet are burning. Uh, because you're going to put ice on yours all the time. Something's going on. You may have poor circulation and you may need some testing to see, you know, both from the arterial and the venous side, what's going on. I don't know if you have swelling feet, uh, if you've lost sensation. Um, you can also check your vitamin levels as well. Um, but I would say uh, that's my best answer is B6. Um, Neuropathy is tough. Sometimes we have to use Neurontin, you know, prescription medicines, but I'd certainly try the, the B6 first. Um, that's my favorite. All right. Thank you for that uh, question, D. Lynn. Um, let's go to uh, Motaz. Motaz is another TRT question. Regarding TRT, I see why pellets are recommended given the even release, etc. However, it seems like that no one is concerned with scarring either cosmetically or in the muscle, muscle tissue where the pellets are planted. Is scarring not an issue here? Would you run out of space to insert the pellets if you choose a new site for them every time? I, I know you get this question all the time. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Motaz, for, for teeing them up here. Um, yeah, you know, we've done, you do get the most even release of testosterone through a pellet. Uh, without a doubt, same thing with estrogen, but, um, you know, I've put them in, I've put many thousands of pellets in and, um, I, I've seen some, some, a little bit of scarring on some of those that have had it done dozens of times, especially people that really don't have much fat on their, on their butt. Um, you know, some people do better 
with it than others, but I've gotten them in a lot of guys that are pretty lean and they don't complain about it. Um, it's in an area that nobody's going to look at a whole lot. Um, you know, unless you're, you know, one of the, if you're like Motaz, you're one of that group called the thunder down under, if he's, you know, a stripper or something, then maybe Motaz would have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> ben doesn't get my jokes. I know Motaz does, but as long as, anyway, as, as long as Motaz got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as Motaz won't get insulted by that, but, um, but yeah, I usually don't see a problem with that on men that the pellets usually last months, five, six months. So, um, if you're, if you're one of those people that, forms keloids or scars easily, then, you know, we'll have to go back to something different like the injections, but, um, which some people prefer anyway, even subcutaneous injections we do with testosterone, usually space that, you know, twice a week instead of the once a week shot. I even have one guy who does a daily subcutaneous shot, hmm. meaning a shot in the abdomen. He does a microdose every day. Hmm. Most people don't want to do that, but he does it and loves it. So those are some options, but yeah, I have seen a few people that I start to tell them, Hey, you know, we're, you're getting a little scar tissue here. Um, so, but that's very few. Um, but anyway, I hope that helps you. Motaz. Uh, hope thank, you're doing well. Thank you for that Motaz. Thank you for that question. Um, let's go to Stacy on Facebook. Um, what would you recommend for chronic insomnia when melatonin and regular exercise aren't helping? Yeah, you know, gosh, I don't know how old you are, but it seems like the older we get, the less we sleep. That's one reason why I wear this aura ring, which gives me all my sleep numbers, including deep sleep, REM sleep, sleep latency, light sleep, movement during sleep. There's even an app you can get with it that's going to show your PO2 uh, to see what you're, if you're desatin at night and maybe have sleep apnea. But um, that's, a, that's a universal problem. And I do like melatonin for reasons other than sleep. So I think it's really good for you. It seems to help me some, but although if I take too much of it, it makes me kind of drowsy in the morning. Um, you know, I've even, you, I like progesterone uh, a lot. I've used a few men, but of course, mostly women. Most women uh, love progesterone to help them sleep at night. Um, and again, uh, sometimes it's based on the time of the period and stuff, but a lot, a lot of women, even those on birth control pills, I use a little, I use uh, progesterone at night for them. Uh, but there's a lot of other supplements. GABA is one, valerian root. I like the essential oils. I like a good, cold, completely dark room. You go to bed the same time, you get up the same time, you avoid a lot of electronics around you. Um, and so a lot of it's just uh, winding down. Um, my Aura Ring has an app on it that even talks to you at night and a calming voice that helps you sleep. Um, some people like a fan, some people don't. Uh, but there's a lot of things you can do. There's so many sleep formulas out there. I'm not real big on Tylenol PM because the Benadryl in it. Uh, it tends to make you pretty dragged out in the morning and that's just an antihistamine. But, um, so try to find, and another thing you can all, always do is L-theanine. If you get a lot of mind chatter, mm. 
or a de-stressing vitamin like the one I have with ashwagandha, L-theanine, and saffron in it. A lot of people have told me that helps them out at night to sleep. Um, so don't watch TV in bed. Don't read in bed. Um, so hope that helps. You know, and occasionally, like if you're traveling or you just can't sleep in a hotel room or something, sometimes I use uh, prescription sleep medication short term. Uh, some some people do well on an old uh, tricyclic antidepressant that we used to use called trazodone. Um, I tried it one night. I hated it. I felt like I was paralyzed, so I did not like it. But a lot of people do. Um, so, and maybe even consider a sleep study. But you need to look into that because if you're not sleeping, um, you know things are. If you're a mouth breather at night, you know, think you'll, if you wake up tired, you're not getting enough sleep. So try to measure it and try a few things. And if not, maybe consider a sleep study and make sure you don't have sleep apnea. You know, there, there's a, there's that book. I know you and I have talked about it. Um, and it's the, the titles escape me. It's by, I think his first name's Matt, but, uh, it's, it's about sleep and, and the importance of it. Uh, I, I will, I'll find that book out and, and put it somewhere in the comments or I'll mention it next week when we, when we, uh, get going on the show. Uh, but we got to move on tonight. Uh, Brandy is asking what's going on, Brandy. Great to see you. Uh, if you have already had the Omicron variant, can you get the new variant of the Omicron variant? <laughs> yeah, apparently you can. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some people that have had COVID three times, but, uh, you could, you know, again, they're, they're, you know, they're, they think that this is a BA4 and BA5 variance, but, you know, who knows what it is? I mean, you're certainly not getting any serology on it. You know, it's kind of guesswork. You kind of trust them that they're doing some of the serology at the CDC, but who knows? I mean, most people that get this variant, it's like a cold and uh, it's probably vastly underestimated in the home testing. It's not, being followed like it was um but this this thing is ubiquitous many more people most people have had it have had have had covid i would hazard at least 80 percent of our population have had it probably more um but anyway but yeah you can get it more than once for sure it becomes better every time usually there's always outliers though Let's get to, to Mama B's place. Uh, how do you take perfect aminos? I put it on certain foods. Uh, what's your what's your regimen? I prefer the, the powder, and I just take a scoop of the powder. It's pretty small. Put it in water, drink it. You know, uh, I usually drink it after my workout. I take the Circ O2 before my workout, then I take the perfect aminos afterwards. And if you're if you're competing, if you're really blowing it out one day on a good day of a workout, you can take it twice a day. But there are capsules as well that some people prefer. But yet, you know, it's a lot of capsules. Um, that you need to take three at a time. But So I prefer the, I take so many vitamin pills, I prefer taking the, the uh, powder and water. All right, thank you for that, Mama B's place. Uh, let's get to Kathy's question. What different things do you recommend for the very common long COVID symptom of anxiety that is different and intense, especially in women, other than saffron or maybe low dose uh, naltrexone LDN? 
those are two that I really like. Um, but for really bad cases of um, neurologic problems, especially brain fog and things, um, I will sometimes put people on Luvox, which also helps why you have COVID. Um, it's, it's a medicine that's actually a serotonin drug that uh, we put people with OCD on. Um, so if, if it's really bad, I'll think about using Luvox for those neurologic symptoms. And probably I'll be using more Luvox for some of the, you know, prolonged loss of uh, smell uh, and taste that, uh, you know, probably I'll probably be using more of that. But I love saffron. I love LDN. Um, but, and, you know, you can always use the adrenal adaptogens like uh, ashwagandha, L-theanine, um, some of the other, rhodiola. Sometimes some things work for one person and not another. So you just have to keep trying them. Um, All right. Thank you for that question, Kathy. Um, let's get to, to Bianca's here. Um, how do the aminos in perfect aminos differ from the aminos in my collagen? Yeah, they're totally different than the ones in the collagen. They have all the branch chains. And I think they have 18 different aminos. They're more geared towards uh, muscle, whereas your collagen usually comes from beef, and it's, it's more um, geared towards uh, ligaments and joints and skin and hair. So it's a really different thing. I certainly take my collagen supplements as well. Uh, so it's, it's two different things that you would benefit by taking both of them. I certainly do. Um, all right. Thank you. Question. Great question, question there, Bianca. Um, let's go to they're both protein, but they're different. Uh, I'm sorry. I interrupt you. What'd you, what'd you say? But they're both protein, but they're different, different types and, uh, different endpoints. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, let's go to my, my brother, Steve. Uh, if testosterone is in a normal range, will supplemental testosterone be of any value? Well, normal range doesn't mean anything. There's such a huge normal range. It's usually anywhere from 300 to 950. Um, some people argue they're more on the high side. Some people say, well, it's not, it's normal if it's 200. If it's below 200, it's normal. But it's really, so there's no real good normal on that i go more by symptoms and if you if you've been told you're in the normal range you don't need any if you're having symptoms you need it at a certain age i think we all need it um and then if, you, if you're told testosterone is say 500 but you have all the symptoms of low t then get a free testosterone and it'll probably be normal on the very low range of normal because it's bound up in a thing called sex hormone binding globulin um which uh, gets more active the older you get. So again, I don't treat, uh, if it's in the normal range, that doesn't mean a lot to me. I get so many patients that have been told it's in the normal range and they went through their family doc or whoever, and yet they had every symptom in the book and they're making a D minus on the bell curve. I want them to make an A plus on the bell curve. Um, so you have to know what you're doing. Uh, most most doctors just aren't taught it. It's not their fault. They just don't look into it. They don't study it and they don't experience it. So um, they're scared of it for some reason. Uh, you know, testosterone does not cause prostate cancer. It does not cause heart disease. 
Um, you have to know what you're doing. You have to follow your hematocrit. It can make your blood a little thicker, 5%. You donate some blood. It can aromatize to, to estrogen. If it does, then you use an estrogen blocker once a week. So you have to know what you're doing, but um, being in the normal range doesn't mean anything to me. I don't want it normal. I want it optimal. Uh, thank you for that, Steve. Uh, great answer there, Doc. Um, I, I want to go... Uh, I'm seeing this from Motaz and, and Roel, and they are both, that is exactly what it is. Uh, the book is called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. That's who it is. Yeah. Why We Sleep, yeah. Matthew Walker. Um, I have not read it, uh, but I've, I've heard it recommended uh, quite a bit. I want to go to uh, Mark's question here. Zinc acerbate as a zinc ionophore has antimicrobial activity against type S orus and E. coli. Um, hopefully I pronounced all those okay. Any thoughts on zinc acerbate as a possible immune boosting in COVID treatment? Yeah, I love zinc ascorbate. It's just a different form of zinc, but you know, you think of sodium, you know, you think of ascorbate as being vitamin C related, but uh, yeah, I mean, we always use zinc, uh, because it's an ionophore, that means it helps uh, get things down into the cell. And, you know, really, the reason we use a lot of quercetin is because it's an ionophore and the zinc actually goes through that channel and kills the virus. So that's how those things work. Hydroxychloroquine is an ionophore that gets the zinc down there. And Staph aureus and E. coli are just pathogenic uh, bacteria that can be really bad on people. So. Yeah, I think it, it probably does help against those particular uh, pathogens, uh, pathogens, maybe even better than zinc picolate, which a lot of people use. So, um, but great, wonderful comment. Mark always is on a different level, you know. Um, thank you exactly for, right. Thank you for that, Mark. Great question there. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here soon, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find, I have one more. Oh, uh, Bianca, Bianca's asking, um, Please, uh, please show your perfect amigos again. I, I found it on my phone. This is what he likes. If you guys can see it, um, hemp hearts. Oh, that's the hemp. That's hemp. That's not perfect aminos. That's not perfect aminos. No. So no, guys, I'll, do uh, not get that. <laughs> I love the hemp hearts, but um, I, I thought that was the the the. Uh, oh, that's nah. the protein. Yeah. What What is the perfect aminos, aminos you got? That's that comes in my little uh, powder. I'll have to, I'll flash it on there for it, Bianca, um, or send you a picture of it. Um, I always, I kind of wish, uh, <laughs> hang on, I think I hear footsteps. I think, I'm, hold on. I think my dog has actually retrieved, I think Ike has retrieved my perfect aminos. Ike. Thank you, Ike. Is Ike going to make did. an appearance? Oh, there it is. That's my perfect amino. So it looked like advanced bionutritionals, advanced bionutritionals, yeah. perf uh, perfect amino powder. Uh, I, I apologize about that, guys. That is organic hip hemp hearts. That is nothing to yeah, do I with. Yeah, I take them too, but you know, <laughs> I spray this some on my salad tonight. Um, um, hey, real quick, uh, I want to show you. I want to show you. I want to show you Ike because this dog is getting so big, I can hardly. Stop lift him anymore but everybody always wants to see ike so everybody loves ike he's so, <laughs> huge he's getting big there he is ike what's going on see? man 
Look how big his paws are. They're huge. <laughs> I thought this dog was going to be a mini Bernadette. But anyway, there he is. I love it. I love he, it. He's cute. Hey, he's getting heavy. Doc, let, let me get two more questions in real quick. Roel is asking, how much sleep do you suggest people get at night? Any any range? Um, yeah, seven to eight. Um, I don't think you need more than eight. I think seven's fine. Um, you know, some people can't sleep that long. Um, and I'm not against naps, small naps during the day, maybe one nap. If I take it too late, I can't sleep at night, but uh, I definitely have sleep issues because of taking call all these years and getting woken up, you know, going back to the ER every third night and all this. So my sleep schedule is probably totally screwed up forever. But uh, I found that the aura ring helps and some of these supplements certainly help me to sleep. And, um, but as you get older, you just you just won't sleep as well or as long. You don't need as much sleep as somebody like a kid. Teenagers will sleep 12 hours easy. But um, I would say seven to eight. Try to get seven if you can. Um, right now, my, my aura ring is saying I, I, I'm in bed for like seven and a half, eight, but I only get around six, six hours, 43, something like that. Uh, I want to get this Sounds real quick from, from Jack. Can you take, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I know uh, if you guys are wondering what that is, I'm pretty sure my mom couldn't find her phone. And that's what that, uh, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> that, that was a find my iPhone. Uh, can you take, can you take HTP five and ashwagandha at the same time? Yeah. I'll, yeah, you certainly can. There's no interaction that I know about, but don't ever start two even supplements together at the same time. Start one first and, you know, a few days later, if you need to add the other one, do that. Just try not to start them at the same time, but you certainly can. All right, Jack. Uh, thank you for that question. That's going to do it for this evening. Uh, golly, guys, thank you all for hanging out with us for an hour. Uh, that is, uh, it's amazing that you all interact with us and, uh, and hang out with us every single Tuesday. We, uh, it is such a blessing to us. We do not take it for granted. Uh, so thank you all for hanging out. Doc, I appreciate you hanging out with me, man. Thank you, Ben. Maybe next week I'll think of a trivia question to come up. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back. Again, at, I didn't have one tonight. At some point we will get back to a question of the day or a stump the doc question. Uh, we'll come up with something cool in the coming uh, weeks and months. It's not hard to do. That's <laughs> I turning over lights. And that's not hard to stump me probably, but. Uh, yeah, I'll come up with a good trivia question. We'll come up with something, guys. Guys, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you to the to the team. Thank you, Katie, for being in the comments. Uh, thank you, Mom, for uh, running up and down the stairs. Thank you, Ike, for making a, a an appearance here. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, for, for being with us tonight from the Kingsport office. Uh, we love you guys. We'll see you all next week. Again, like I said, every single Tuesday, all of our videos go up on our YouTube channel. If you guys have not subscribed, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we put up around two to four videos every single week, uh, and including, including this one right here. Doc, I love you, man. I'm hanging out. Thanks, man. Love you, too. All right, guys. See you. We'll see you all next week, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, the Performance Medicine Show. We'll see you next week. Don't go away.
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.